but you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what COVID-19 can do to the world. Uh, and uh, it doesn't just stop there. We're, we're ama- Every time we look around, we look in the news, there's something else that just seems to be coming around. We, I have had to learn a whole new language uh, just because of the issues that we face at the moment. You know, we've got... Uh, you know, we've got political correctness we've always had, but now all of a sudden it's come into cancel culture. You know, I would like to call it cancer culture because I think it's more cancer culture than is cancel, but it's cancel culture. You know, uh, whatever you say, we, we, we will do what we can to cancel out your right to speech. It's, 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 quite, it's an incredible thing to think that this week that the most powerful man in the world uh, has uh, a business can stop him speaking. I mean, uh, he, he's allowed to have the uh, nuclear button and push that, but he can't, uh, he can't go on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, and it's amazing. I've got a couple of quotes here. And because uh, I think in the midst of, the, of uh, everything we do, we, we need to find ourselves a, a center point, a place where we can find faith and joy. Uh, Mexico's left-wing president, I didn't think I'd be quoting from Mexico's left-wing president, but Lopez uh, Obrador uh, is mounting an international uh, campaign on taking on tech companies. I mean, so we begin to see a, a, a backlash here. So in the midst of, you know, we're, we're, we're having a war, and some people call this a cultural war, I think it's more of a spiritual war, but, it, but both aspects of it. Listen to what he says. He said, I don't like, this is uh, Mexico's president, I don't like anyone being censored, taking away the right to post a message on Facebook or Twitter. I don't accept that. How can you censor someone? Let's see. I, as the judge of the Holy Inquisition, will punish you because I think you are, what you are saying is harmful. Where is the law, the regulation? What are the norms? This is an issue of a government. This is not an issue of private companies. And so, you know, we're beginning to see a fight back in a war here. We've, as we look around, you know, I think we've got to find a place of perspective where we can see things from heaven's perspective. Because, you know, there's just... You look around, we've got political correctness, which is run... Wild, I mean, white privilege. I mean, that's a new one, isn't it? The fact that you are born white. I notice most of us in this room are white today. Uh, you know, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> you know, uh, that's what people say. You know, it's a, you know, you, you, you've got, you are what you have and we are what we are is because of you're born white and you've got this uh, white political correctness here. Um, you know, it's, it's privilege. Now, I don't know. I don't think um, because I was born that I'm privileged because we're white. I think we're privileged because we believed our family in the gospel. My in-laws from both sides, one was Anglican and the other was Methodist, joined together. But we made godly decisions in our household. My father started out taking a huge risk of a loan. In fact, the bank manager probably wouldn't happen today because he wouldn't be able to make these decisions. Uh, it'd be all done on the computer, but but he gave my father a loan with having nothing just come out eight years of the army, gave him a loan to buy a dairy farm. Uh, and he said, I gave you the loan. And when my father paid it back, he said, you, it kept me up at, lo- 
at night worrying about whether you'd pay back the loan. My father had to. My father not only did he have to milk his dairy cows, he, he used to do the neighbours ploughing to get an extra money to pay the loan. Loan. Now, when I talk about ploughing, we're talking about not ploughing with a John Deere tractor. We're ploughing. We're talking about ploughing behind a horse and a and a, and a handheld plough. My mother would tell me, growing up, that the biggest bill that she had on her groceries was a, a new pair every month of army boots for my father. Wow. So you can imagine how hard he had to work to establish himself there and how long he worked till he became prosperous. You know, my, my, but my father wasn't just pro- prosperous. My father was a good giver. In fact, he was the largest giver to the new way of living that ever happened. You know, he was one of the first... First people here to put Australian health support, put Australian television on. You know, he made choices. You know, to, to, when I say support, financially support. He didn't preach there with uh, when Clark put it on. But he, was, uh, you know, he didn't tell me about those things, but uh, Clark did. They'd be the largest group. But what I'm trying to say is we made decisions. Your, your people, you are what you are today because you made decisions. My parents made decisions not to drink. My parents made decisions not to gamble. You know, so they, so we didn't, they made decisions to, to, to look after the family. But these were all Christian decisions. Now, you might not agree with every decision they make, and that's fine. But see, the West has taken on the gospel. And those who have not accepted the gospel are the lack for it. I don't think we have white privilege. I think we see the gospel outworking in society. And I think this is important. So we need to keep ourselves in a perspective because it's very easy to feel guilty. The enemy wants to give us guilt. Why should I be guilty that my father worked hard to give us what we have today? And your father probably could say the same testament if we talked there. Why should you feel guilty that you made decisions to support your family? You made decisions... You know, to care for the poor. You know, you made decisions to, to, you know, that has made us as a nation what we are and the Christian nations of the, of the world as they are. Now, that's probably the end of my political statement for the day. But I, but I think we're at war. And it's amazing how the war always seems to have the same type of arguments. And we've got to, be, we've got to know our enemy. And I think when we're coming through these hard times... Uh, we've got to find out what our place of perspective is because we need to see things from heaven's perspective, not ours. When we look at this world, you know, we, we, see, you know, we see the change in our education you know, with the uh, gender identity, you know, where once upon a time you know, the doctor would say, oh, it's a boy. You know, now the doctor will learn that he's born and say, well, well, we'll find out in a few years what he is, won't we? Won't we? <laughs> It's just, it was just natural. Everyone's it was the most exciting thing. I remember when, when Lindsay had uh, our, our first, our, our second born Sally was, I remember distinctly, and, and, and she's having a seizure there, and the, and the nurse, and I'm looking through from the screen. I wasn't allowed in the, in the, in the um, surgery room. And, and the nurse is giving me signs, and she's trying to take her out and give me signs to me it was a boy or a girl. I, don't, I didn't get her signs. I didn't have a clue whether she was a boy or a girl. But that was important. Sex was important. Because that was the identity. Nowadays, oh, who cares? <laughs> you know, there's 65 different varieties you can have and you can make your choice. <laughs> when they get over there, they say, well, you know, what does it matter? No, it does matter. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It matters to God. Yeah, right. And it should matter to us. 
place of perspective. Now, I believe that seeing things from heaven's perspective will involve three things. Hopefully, I'll get through three things today. If you're online, I hope I'll welcome you again. Uh, it's uh, kind of unusual speaking to myself and just our team here. But uh, if you are, are online, let me just remind you, number one, that next week we will be back here, 8 o'clock Sunday morning, 9.45, and I believe our Persian churches will be here at 5 o'clock. So we'll be back to normal next week in this new normal that we have. And uh, so looking forward to that. But uh, as we look, I want you to turn with me right now to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, and read from verse 1 to 7. It's a long reading, but I think it's a, a valuable reading. Because what has happened here, of course, in background, is this the prophecy of Isaiah talking about the Messiah coming. But the Messiah has come in Jesus Christ, and, and uh, he has been baptized. And as he's being baptized, the Spirit comes down, the Father speaks to the Son, and from heaven, and he is baptized. If you have not been baptized, I want to say this, if you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. It was important to Jesus to get baptized to show you what's right to do. But you know, if you have not been, you've got to destroy that old life. You've got to have new life within you. And baptism destroys the old nature and gives you new nature. If, you have, if you're not sure about your baptism, we'll do it again to make sure it's there. But baptism is not an optional extra in a Christian life. It is essential to that life. There's many other things we do, but it is one of the sacraments that we must, must do. So coming back to the story here, because Jesus is baptized and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He has a, an encounter with the enemy. He wins that encounter for a season because spirits don't, you can't defeat a spirit you can, uh, you can just resist the spirit. They will flee, but they will come back again. You know, until Jesus Christ uh, and the God the Father and whoever else is in heaven at the time and whatever the time is, is that they send them permanently to hell, to lake of fire. But until that comes, we, you know, they're eternal. They'll keep on coming back. And it says that of Jesus that, it, that he departed for a time. You'll find that you know, in our wrestle with culture wars, it's only for a season. Every generation must uh, you know, uh, take its season and take its warfare that's there. Now, this is our time. This is our season, and this is our battle. And this battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. And having said that, three things I was talking about. Number one, a new kingdom. See, what's happened here, we've got to realize we're having a new kingdom. There's, some, there's a change that's come with a new relationship. We've got a new covenant with a new practice, and we've got a new spirit with a new power. And uh, with that, we come back to what the story I was talking about with Jesus, that when Jesus finished, the very first message when he got in there, he opened the book of Isaiah, and he quoted this verse and chapter, and because he knew his identity. He knew his calling and his purpose. Another way of putting that, he knew the will of God in his life. I would think one of the most common and wrestled issues that you have if you're sincere with God is what is God's will for my life? What is God doing this time? What does he want me to do? You know, I don't believe they're difficult questions, but I believe they're important questions. 
So having said that, let me just start here. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 to 7. Jesus, of course, quotes this and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointing is the Spirit on you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. We get both. To comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. That's the church. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The end of all things is the glory that we get and give to God by living a righteous life, a life where he's worked in us and through us and for us. They shall, so this is the end result of what's going to happen to this anointing, they shall rebuild. See what he was going to do. But he said, then they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. So whatever is happening today, we still have a ministry that's true, that we shall raise, rebuild the old ruins, we shall raise up the former desolations, we'll repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. And then verse 6, but... You shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of God. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Let me just stop here for a moment. The one thing that God should be saying about you, your neighbours should be saying about you, they should see about you is a priest of the Lord. A priest is a person who offers up sacrifices on behalf of others. They should see us as praying people, believing people. They should see us more than anything. I said, this person, you know, I, I, he's a prayer. He's a worshiper. You know, he, he, he's a generous person. He gives offerings. As we say. And then it said, says this, and they shall be called the, uh, where I lost it here for a minute. Um, they shall call you the servants of our God. What's my ministry? To be a priest and a servant. If you're not serving in the house of the God, then is the anointing of God and is the work of the kingdom being done? Because these are the things that establish us on earth and the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. But now let me just read on. He said, but you shall be, uh, verse 7, 6, but verse 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honour. Isn't that something to look forward to? We don't have to be ashamed of our values. We don't have to be ashamed of being whatever colour we have. We shouldn't be ashamed of how old we are. We shouldn't be ashamed whether we're poor or whether we're rich. But you shall, instead of your shame, you shall have double honour. Instead of your confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land, they shall possess double. And everlasting joy shall be theirs. As I said, God's ushered in a new kingdom. 
the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of the major, it's a new, it's a new kingdom, but it also has a new relationship. And if you look closely, this new relationship is a relationship about a father and a son, and the son has sons. And it's an intimate relationship. Probably the most prayed prayer in the Bible would have to be the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 13. Listen to what it says. When the disciples asked him how to pray, they said, well, pray this way. Verse 9, our Father. What's the first thing we pray? Our, fa- our identity as we have a Father. A Father. A Father. It's a, you know, there's an intimate, there should be. I mean, if you're home, you didn't have a Father, well, I'm very sorry for you. But I imagine those who had good families. Yeah, our father, you know, it's an intimate relationship. There's no one like our father. My father's passed on. Yeah. But my dad was my best friend. My dad was my helper. My dad was my confidant. My dad was my guide. He was the guy my direction. Yeah, well, we, had a, we, had a, we had a great relationship. Both me and my brother, we had a great relationship with our father. Yeah, I, cannot, I could have criticised my father. It was just my dad was a great dad. I'm sure yours was too. I owe a lot to my dad. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then it says, verse 10, your kingdom come and your will be done. Out of the intimacy of our identity with our Father, his kingdom has got to come, but his kingdom comes by his will being done. We must learn to find the will of God. In our lives. And a will of God ultimately comes from the Spirit beginning to work in us. We've been talking about birthmarks of the Spirit. You know, we, we, God gives us a new, new kingdom with a new heart. In fact, it's a whole prophecy in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. But it says, but then when the Spirit came and the anointing came, it came upon Jesus. And then, of course, we know the day of Pentecost, it came upon the church. Jesus, when he, his last words, he said, look, don't tarry. Uh, he said, I should say, tarry in Jerusalem till you receive power. He said, you shall be witnesses in all the earth, from Jerusalem to Samaria and the ends of the earth. See, our job is to bring the kingdom to every single person. And it's interesting that when you look at Acts chapter 2 and you read the and time doesn't give me the, uh, we've done it before, but time does not give me the, the uh, ability to do it today. Maybe I'll just mention a couple of things. You know, we see the prophecy of Joel there in Acts 2 where it says, Peter says, this fulfills the sermon of Joel, which will come to pass in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know, what perspective are you looking at this morning? You can be looking at the troubles. You can be disappointed in what's happening in America, in the elections and everything else there. You can be disappointed what's happening in our government. You can be disappointed what's happening in the educational system and everything else there. But he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. You know, I am looking constantly not to the problem, but I'm looking to the outpouring of the spirit. I mean, God is more willing to outpour, I think, than we are to receive. The will of God is that he would pour out his spirit. He says, he says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's everybody. Yeah. Leaves no one. It doesn't matter what, what nationality, what color you are, what age you are. All flesh. And then he, and he talks about all flesh then. Your sons and your daughters. 
shall prophesy. Well, that's a new thing. In the Old Testament, the only people who could prophesy were the prophets who had been called and anointed, and you had to go to the prophet to hear from God. But now it's changed so much. We don't need a prophet. We don't need a priest to come to God here because he's made us a kingdom of prophets and priests. You know, we've, got, we've got a privilege that no one else has had. You know, and it's a fulfillment of Jeremiah. He says, you shall, I shall pour out my spirit, he said, and you shall all know me. I will be their God and you shall be my people. You know, it comes by a spiritual work. Then he goes on and says this. He said, your young men shall see visions. Your old men, doesn't matter what age you are. Upon my men servants and my maid servants, it doesn't matter what status you have. He said, I'll... Sh- uh, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and show you, and you shall prophesy, and I'll show you wonders in heaven and signs below. And then it keeps on going. But you know, the key is simply this: you know, Mary and Zechariah, who were the mother and father of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for the Messiah, but they both talked about, you know. And they both, well, they both came from the, and they foretold, I should say, that the bottom of the social ladder, the women of that society that day, the youths and the slaves, would be recipient of the Spirit's empowerment. People previously divided by language, ethnicity, culture, nationality, gender, and class would be reconciled in this new kingdom. See, what's making the difference in the world has been the gospel. It's Jesus Christ being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All flesh, potentially. So I've written this down in my notes today. It simply says this. Yeah, we've got to realise that favour is God's intentional bias towards us. Favour. If you want to know God's will, it's, he's got a bias to bless you. A bias to bless you. We know what a bias is. Have you ever played uh, bowls? Some of you might be too young to play bowls. Bowls, lawn bowls, indoor bowls. But uh, you're still riding motorbikes and uh, doing all those things. Uh, but, uh, you know, a, a bowl has a bias in it and you've got a, it, it's a curve. You've got to, and you've got, to, you've got to accommodate for that bias. But God, you know, it's a bias that, that causes it to go a certain direction. Yeah, and we have a bias in us that makes us want to go uh, to the favour of God. He's put a bias towards him. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, see, I, before I got saved, it wasn't that I was against Christianity and religion and Christ or anything else. It's that I was just apathetic to it. I mean, I, I would have liked to read my Bible, but it was too... Um, I tried, I thought, oh, this is a bit, um, this is a bit dry. <laughs> this is a bit difficult. Uh, you know, this, this is boring. I think I'll go back to the novel. Uh, you know, the, but when, when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I used to go home every day without being told. I used to go home, read my Bible, and, 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 and it came alive. Literally, this is what it felt like. The words of the page would, would jump out and speak me. And, and I would feel like I was, I, I've never been on, I've never taken drugs Never had, uh, except medical ones, but, uh, but I've never taken drugs. I've, you know, it, it, uh, it's never appealed to me. You know, I like to be in control, not something else in control of me. Uh, but, you know, 
But it, but it felt like I, I was on a high. I felt like I was on a, on a high. I felt like I felt like I was being lifted out of my. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an unusual. I felt like I was being lifted out of myself, and and I was different. You know, it like, it's like the the heaviness of the world that lifted, and the issues that I confronted that changed. It was literally like. I, and every day I used to run home from work, not literally run home, but I mean, I'd hurry home from work, maybe the right word, I'd hurry home from work just to read my Bible. This book that, I, that was so boring and so dry and so impossible, it now suddenly become a living thing, and a living thing that spoke to me, that the words would come out of the page and I'd understand them. It was something supernatural had come on upon my life. And if it stops, then I've found one secret to bring it back again. Fasting. If you fast and you fast, revelation will come. So if the Bible's not alive to you, take a 40-day fast. It'll definitely come alive at that point, though. Point of time. Uh, but anyhow, let me go on. The bias. You know, we, we will never overcome... The issues that we state without realizing the gods that get the bias. Let me read to you uh, quickly if I can see it in my notes here. Um, it says, listen to what it says about the situation of people that the anointing was for. He says, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, those who are bound, the vengeance to those who mourn. To, you know, those who, were, who had been ashes, you know what ashes are. Ashes is where everything else is burnt up and that's all that's left. In other words, you've been devastated. I don't know whether you've got ashes in your life at some stage. But uh, spirit of heaviness, desolation, ruined cities and ruined desolations for many generations. So he talks in, in that troubled times, he said, I'll put the spirit of God upon you. And, 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 and that spirit of God is going to change you and bring the kingdom of God down again. Now, it's interesting that as you read verse 7 of Isaiah 61, it says this, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honour. Instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in their portion. Now, the word instead there is very simple. It means in place of. What the Spirit of God does in a life, it displaces things. A new spirit will take away heaviness, it'll take away depression, it'll take away poverty, it'll take away all the issues you face. You know, the world is fighting each other, trying to take authority you know, to get a new world. But the only way we can change is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of our Father has got to come us, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost has got to come and it displaces us. I said, when, when I got saved and when you got saved, I can only I talk from my experience, you know, it displaces your attitudes. It displaces you. you, know, if you, you know, I think sometimes that some of our kids in church have never had an encounter with God. Now, just because they come to church, just because they know the Bible, 
doesn't mean to say they've had that encounter that's changed their heart. It's displaced the, the issues they had. You know, I, I have argued with people, sadly to say. I've argued with people about, about creation, science, and argued about things, and then all of a sudden they've got saved, and, and I'm amazed at how they immediately change. You don't have to argue about those things. They, they don't care any longer. Something has displaced it. See, we, we sometimes try to do what the Holy Spirit is meant to do. The Holy Spirit, when he comes on, he fills you. You know, the, the church is a place. You know, what makes, what makes a true Jew? Uh, what, makes it, what makes the church the church? You know, it's, it's not being born you know, with circumcision. He said what, ma- what makes the difference is being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're born of the Spirit and filled. It displaces everything else. So you get a new heart, a new life, new desires. You're a new creation. And, you know, and, and, until we, we begin to say, hey, God, you know, we've got to pray for people to have an encounter. So when we pray for them, something is imparted to them. And if it's not imparted to, you know, we, we, sometimes we've got to persist. Yeah. We, we like things to be easy. You know, we live in the um, fast lane. Uh, uh, McDonald's. You know, we like McDonald's because it's fast food. Well, we don't actually because it's not the food we like. <laughs> it's a fact it can get us so quickly. No cooking, make no easy, no, no, no heat from the stove, you know, on a hot day. You just go drive in there, the food, you're full, you go out, you know, and uh, that's another job done. But, you know, when Jesus said to disciples, he said, tarry in Jerusalem till you receive power. Some of our kids have never tarried. They've never tarried and received an encounter. That's touched and transformed their life. And if you're in that situation here today, hopefully no one is. But if you are, I say, you know, you need to ask mum and dad. You need to ask them to pass it. How do I tarry? How can I get a hold of God? How can I have an encounter with God? You know, because when it comes, you'll know it. You know, no one, you know, uh, I used to be, I had a friend um, and uh, she was a Christian and she liked to to, uh, witness to me. And she liked to tell me about being born again. And she liked to tell me about you'll just know you're going to heaven. And that would so make me mad. I remember that. It used to, it used to make me mad. I thought, how arrogant you are you know, uh, that you can know that you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. Now, I'm a good person. And, and to me, you know, uh, when the gates are open wide, you know, well, you know, hopefully I'll be let in. But I won't know to the final day. You know, how do you know? But, but, she, she, you know, but the one thing that she said to me that persisted, I don't know where all, anything else she said, is that you can know that you're going to heaven. You know, but the thing that happened to me when I got saved, had an account of God, I knew that I was going to go to heaven. I'd never seen it written in the books, haven't heard about it. No one gave me scriptures to prove it. I just knew it. See, because the Spirit had come into me. A new heart had come into me. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. It's displacement. Yet we've got to believe that when we lay hands upon people, that there is a displacement. There is change going to come. You know, health is going to come instead of disease. You know, it's, you know, we should be people. You know, the marks of a Christian could be very simple. You know, we should be people that, you, that, you know, everything's gone out of life. You know, we no longer criticize. You know, because in the world, you know, we just, I come from a family that uh, thought deeply about issues of life. You like to discuss it, you know, and they, you know, and they tend to be a bit critical, if I can put it that way, you know. This, uh, this party, this thing, we'd, we'd have their discussions, you know, get critical. You know, I find some people come to church and they haven't lost that spirit. 
They get critical all the time. You know, well, I didn't know whether I liked that song. You know, hold it. The joy of the Lord is meant to be our strength. You know, we, we just got to enjoy things. Now, you know, all I know is that if you go around criticizing people, if you go criticizing your kids, you'll hate your kids before too long. Maybe not hate, hate, but you know what I'm talking about. If you criticize your boss, you'll hate him after a while. You know, it should be a joy. You know, we, we're the people that, that when the Spirit of God comes on us, that we encourage people. You know, we, we say we're behind you because we know the power of our Spirit and the change the Spirit lives. And, and, and we are priests and of God. We're the ones praying for them, and our prayers are answered because God hears our prayers. We are world changers. You know, we, we don't have to worry about what's happening in America today, what's happening in China today. We have to worry about what's happening in our prayer closets because that's the, the, where this world is governed by. Yeah? We're priests. As he said, he said, when the anointing comes, he said, you should be priests under your God and you shall serve. Serve in the house of God. You know, I am shocked that the number of people that I know who would rather stay at home, no threat of COVID-19, would stay, rather stay at home and watch church on TV. I want to watch my favorite TV. Because you're not good enough to preach. I'm not good enough to preach. I've got to have someone else who's better than you to preach. I've got to have the best preacher. Well, tell me how the, where the anointing is in that. You know, it's when we come together the anointing is there. There's something that, you know, the thing, you know, you know it, it's, it's in the congregation where the Spirit comes down. When, when they first opened the temple... And everyone went to the temple. And when they restored the temple, they couldn't stand the first service to minister. The anointing of God was so strong. You know, I mean, I'm looking forward when, when everyone comes back to church next week, there'll be an anointing here. You know, let, let's expect to say, man, I don't know what happened to that church when I was away last week, but it's changed. There's a, there's a stronger anointing here. So I think we're better together all the time. I, I, I don't think, you know, there's a spirit of worship that's got to be upon us, a spirit of joy. Because that's what it's about. There's, a, there's an anointing that changes. Let me read to you Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. It says this. Ephesians 1, verse 70 says, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but try to listen to it as if you haven't heard it before. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In these troubled times, that's what we're looking for. What's happening? Where are we? Wisdom and revelation, what should I do? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The riches of it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he's worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, 
but the age that is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow, that is an amazing verse. He's the king. It doesn't matter what is happening, what news we hear about China, what news we don't hear, what's happening about America. It doesn't matter what's happening in Germany. You know, the key is, is that we have the fullness of God. You know, I think what we do is that in these circumstances of life that we go through, we actually squander the circumstances. I believe a rational mind always settles for less. If you look at this from a rational mind, you'll settle for less. You'll say, oh, that's not me. That can't be possible. I can't, you know, I'm not a priest who's going to make a difference. But, you know, God didn't come to the tribe of Levi to tell the priest. He just came to one man who's there that day in the priesthood doing his daily offering, the servant doing his daily duties. You know, who knows, your prayer that day could change this universe. He's got that power. You know, a rational mind always settles for less. And the other thing is this, doubt is too often easily accessible from a place of reason. When you start to reason things out and think things through, you know, often that reason makes it easy accessible to move into doubt. Doubt comes to us a place of reason, but wisdom, trust and faith are intuitive. In other words, God speaks it to you. It's a spirit and he talks it to you. He'll tell you. I'd ask God when I was going through troubled times, I'd say, would I sell my house? And I'd wait for his answer. Because I don't know where the times and seasons of God, but he does. And I have built and bought and done things that are beyond the natural, simply out of intuition and trusting it. Wisdom comes from a place of perception. We perceive things. It's a, you know, I think it comes out of a practice of praise of rejoicing, of thanksgiving, and worship. Let me say that again. Knowing the will of God, living in this intuitive spiritual world so we can handle the issues of life that might come. Should I increase my business? Should I decrease my business? Should I sell my investment house? Should I keep my business? Should I put more money in the bank? Should I take it out of the bank? Should I buy gold or should I build silver? You know, on it goes on. Should I buy Bitcoin? They're all the daily decisions that people talk about in certain places. But in the end, I can't get it from another person. I need to get it from God. we've got to give ourselves to praise a heart of praise prepares the soil we've got to give ourselves to rejoice and rejoice in everything give rejoice not complain rejoice it's the opposite of it not critical rejoice thanksgiving I mean in all things give thanks for this is the will of God for you 
What, the will of God is not what you're going through. The will of God is that you give thanksgiving and say, hey, thank you, God, that I am here at this time. Thank you, God, that, that I see these issues. Thank you, God, that I've got the privilege to pray there. I've got so many things to thank God about that thanksgiving is good. You know, it's perspective I've got to stand in. I've, I've discovered this. I've written it down and put it this way. Rational people often do not allow themselves to be, be abandoned to intimacy. You know, sometimes you've just got to get alone with God. Praise Him, worship Him, meditate upon Him. Let His Word speak to you. Keep on reading it and keep on praying until it speaks to you. My time has run out. Perhaps I'll talk about this another day about there's two ways that God will speak to you. He can speak to you with the manifestations. I love that. You know, when God comes down in power that you just can't ignore it. When you've been healed, when you're sick. When money comes in and you've just prayed and asked, you know, it's just a manifestation of it. You know, when, <coughs> when things change. But there's another part of God which is called hiddenness. The part we can't see. And like Job, he was... When you read the book of Job, you realise that this is a man of God like no other man of God. But at some stage, he didn't know what was going on. And he just had to trust God, remain faithful, remain rejoicing, remain thanksgiving. There's a season sometimes where God hides apparently hides himself from us. But, you know, manifestations is a season where God blesses us. But hiddenness is a season where he builds us. And Christianity is a continual building so we get more manifestations. It's a growing thing. We grow in our things. We grow in our wisdom. We grow in our understanding. We grow. And often it comes by those two areas there. So during these troubled times, now, let me just say this. God's given us everything we need in Christ. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God is for us, not against us. I encourage you to seek God until God comes down, until God builds you, strengthens you, and blesses you. Because God wants good things for your life. If that's not happening to you, I encourage you to get down and pray. Get down and repent. Ask God to show you what's wrong. Show you where it's not His Spirit. Show us where the bad decisions are and make right decisions. Because these are intuitive things that come from the Spirit. But you know, it's His Spirit that will bless you. It's His Spirit that will empower you. It's His Spirit which establishes the kingdom. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we gather together here today and at home watching TV that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent your Son, that the King has arrived and the kingdom is being built at this present stage. We know, Lord, that it's not through. We hope, Lord, that it's at the end. But wherever we are, Lord, we are where we are. And we are on purpose. We trust in you to guide us in our lives and help us in our lives. Father, I pray for people to be healed today. Father, as Greg has been healed for pain, Lord, let every person who's got pain, Father, every person who's had a bad report from the doctor be healed today in the name of Jesus. Lord, <laughs> let every person that's got heaviness in the family that's lost a loved one, 
find the comfort and the joy and the peace of the Holy Ghost today. Father, let a fresh spirit come upon us. Let everyone who's had doubts and fears receive revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Thank you, Mike.